Welcome to Jade Explains Death, a place where the more morbid the curiosity, the better. We'll be confronting the one thing humans fear most, death. Each episode will be dedicated to a manner of death, and I will paint a vivid picture of how each would feel, as well as share some of the darkest yet most interesting real-life stories. Get ready, because we're about to embark on an adventure now. I am so happy that you're here with me. It's time for another death exploration, loves. As promised, I am doing a request this week. This is going to be a very gruesome, interesting one. We're going to tackle freak deaths in the workplace due to heavy machinery. I'm talking meat grinders, lathe machines, and even candy factories. Oh my. My content may be upsetting to some and for a mature audience. Listener discretion advised. Sometimes technology can really backfire on us. As demand increases, we build efficient machines that can turn out product like none other before. With that increase in demand comes the need for jobs that don't always spend the most time training in safety protocol. Double that with long repetitive hours, you have a recipe for pureed human. Workplace accidents that result in traumatic death are becoming increasingly frequent. CEOs want to make piles of cash, which often prompts them to condense employees' training into a short span of time where they can only hit bullet points. This is one of the reasons why a lot of people believe that big corporations don't have a soul. That and the fact that they only pay the employees who are doing the most dangerous work, peanuts. Why not just jump right into the gory glory? This first death actually received a lot of press. First responders required trauma counseling after responding to the scene because, well, you'll find out in a little bit. In 2013, Hugo Channon worked for a sanitation crew. One of their biggest clients was an Oregon-based meat packaging factory. The cleaning hours were often set late evening when the employees cleared the area, which makes sense, but this was the time that most people would be sleeping. Not a great hour to be dealing with large commercial death traps. Hugo was sanitizing a jumbo commercial meat blender. I mean jumbo, you could fit a few human beings inside of this thing. All of these machines were definitely supposed to be locked from operating and properly covered, mind you. I mean, duh, you would think that would be a given. The employees were actually told this on numerous occasions to express just how high a priority their safety really was to the company. Sadly, the client didn't value human life anywhere near as much as a sanitation company did. This meat packaging facility had a painted record. Aside from a deadly E. coli outbreak that was traced back to that facility, there had been several workplace accidents. Unfortunately, we don't know too much about these because these yahoos did not document any of these properly. We do not know what the nature of these accidents were or whether or not there were fatalities, which is not acceptable by anyone's standards and also kind of illegal. So pretty much the only reason why we know anything about poor Hugo is because a third-party company was involved that was not going to let these asshole CEOs sweep this one under the rock. Hugo's co-workers were all assigned specific tasks. That meant that Hugo was basically all by his lonesome. There was another employee in his facility, but he was busy doing his own project. Hugo was bent over this large meat blender when something tripped the on switch. Of course, this should have never been a risk. It should have been locked. It is unknown exactly how the switch was flipped, but it's speculated that Hugo accidentally bumped into it somehow. After a relatively silent ambiance, Hugo was straight startled by the loud thundering, whirling, and metal slicing sounds. 
These machines are so loud. Employees often find themselves yelling after a shift due to exposure to such loud machinery for hours. Tragically, that sent unsuspecting Hugo plummeting into the sharp, rapidly rotating machine. The employee working nearby was also startled by the abrupt sound, as well as gut-wrenching, animalistic, throaty, muffled screams and gurgles. He looked over and caught a small glimpse of what was actually unfolding. He ran to the rogue machine and slammed onto the emergency stop button. Unfortunately, it was way too late. Hugo was fully entangled in the stopping blades. He was now an explosion of mangled bone, brain matter, and bits of soft tissue. It literally only took a few short seconds for him to transform into this state. What's worse is that in the process of him falling overboard into the machine, he was whirled around. He went through those sharp, crushing blades feet first. This did prolong his death. Seconds may not seem like a long time, but when you are tolerating the worst kinds of sensations imaginable, coupled with the distinct knowledge of what is happening, those seconds can feel like weeks or years. The initial responding officers and EMTs were unable to safely retrieve what remained of Hugo from the machine. Of course, there were no employees of the facility in the building that could lock the blunder and ensure that a similar incident wouldn't ensue upon the body rescue mission. There was no doubt about the fact that Hugo couldn't be saved. There was no possibility that he could still have a beating heart. EMTs had no choice but to leave the facility without Hugo. The following day, firefighters were sent back to the place that had become Hugo's unofficial grave. His body was in such a terrible state and so deeply tangled within the parts that the entire machine had to be dismantled. Nobody could prepare for the amount of carnage that they would uncover. It was kind of like when you drop a full drink on the kitchen floor. Somehow, the contents feel like an impossible amount of liquid to clean. Towel after towel becomes saturated, yet a huge puddle still remains. I imagine that's a little like how those first responders felt. With each screw pulled out and piece of the machine removed, tiny shreds of pureed human were found. It took the entire day to take everything apart, gather up as much as Hugo as possible, and to secure the scene. Every single one of those firefighters was forever changed after that day. We also can't forget about the co-worker who sprung to action out of desperation to save Hugo. He will never again walk this earth without those images inside of his head. An all-too-familiar scenario also unfolded inside of a Russian meat factory. This machine was slightly different. It wasn't a big, wide-open blender. It was actually a meat-mincing machine. It was set up with conveyor belts, almost like an escalator, only they moved straight across, not up or down. Meat carcasses were supposed to be placed onto the belts. They were then fed through two other belts that were tightly squeezed together. All of that pressure would crush the carcasses up, and then they're led to a machine with sharp rotating blades, similar to a grinder or blender, that basically diced them up into tiny bits. A woman was completing her repetitive, mundane task of placing chicken carcasses onto the belt over and over again. It's not hard to imagine how easy it would be to slip up a tad. This is literally mind-numbing work. Her hand got a little too close to the two narrowing belts where there was only millimeters of space. It sucked up her fingers and then ate her entire hand. Again, 
in a matter of mere seconds, her entire body was pulled into the machine and her rubber work boots the only thing remaining of her on the floor. News reports claim that the woman was killed on the spot, but they are wrong. I don't think they understand the concept of on the spot. It literally only takes milliseconds for our brain to process sensation. This woman's heart was likely crushed inside of two seconds, but that's plenty long to actually feel the horror. And it's a pet peeve of mine when reporters claim that people died instantly when that is not true. Dying in a high-altitude plane or helicopter crash is often an instant death. Sometimes free-falling from a high altitude is an instant death. That means that they died at the very first moment of deceleration or impact. Often, vital organs are ruptured, including the heart and brainstem. Being pulled into an unforgiving machine that takes at least two seconds to kill is not an instant death. If you have time to feel it, you didn't die in that very first moment. Let's take a peek into how these industrial meat machines work. There are different models that operate in different ways but end with a similar result. Your typical commercial meat grinder has those sharp blades that we discussed, and they can rotate up to 30,000 times per minute. A fast rotation is needed in order to process thousands of pounds of meat per day, which is your typical quota per machine. Plus, that generates a hell of a lot of power. This power is capable of grinding up stubborn cartilage and bone. This means that those nasty blades can spin 500 times per second. So, uh, ouch. Sometimes these machines are designed specifically for frozen chunks of meat, but that doesn't mean that they'll be ineffective against bloody soft meats and tissue like a living, breathing human. I mean, what is a human body besides a living, breathing meat suit? Many of these, including the machine from the first story, have a very wide set funnel where the meat is thrown. The rotating blades beneath the funnel kind of ushers those chunks through them. They're put through those sharp rotating blades first. In a commercial blender, that's basically where the processing ends. But that is all that is needed in order to make human sushi. In a commercial grinder, after being churned into tiny pieces, they're also fed through a cutting plate. These plates come in a range of shapes and sizes, kind of like cheese graters. These plates are interchangeable in order to get your desired shape. Sometimes it grinds it all up finely like ground beef. Other times it, it minces it into smaller pieces. These plates are also effective at removing fat deposits. I'm sure you can imagine what one of those plates could do to a human. Of course, that human would already be unrecognizable at that point. They'd already be dead at that point. There's no longer one big shape, but thousands of little pieces of tissue and meat. I honestly feel such pity for any coroner or first responder who's ever confronted with the remains of a grinded up person. Oftentimes, the end result is human soup. I suppose it depends on whether the machine has a mechanism for liquid removal. If not, a stew of sorts would be discovered. Sharp bone fragments that resisted being completely ground up, mashed up flesh, and ground beef human would be found inside of a base of blood and bodily fluids. Of course, a ton of tissue would be left behind in the machine parts as well. Can you think of anything that could be a worse discovery? I sure as hell can't. These machines are capable of total destruction of a human. The blades will rapidly slice into the head, neck, and body, like I said, 500 times per second. This will sever everything down to your very cells. Blood vessels would be turned into human risotto. 
The eyes turned into mashed globes. Even finger and toenails would be sliced and diced into hundreds of thousands of shavings. The only thing that would remain somewhat intact would be high-volume bone. They'd still be completely destroyed. Some would even transform into a possible weapon, splintering into sharp, jagged, hard pieces. Any longer hair would be sucked up, wrapped around the blades, and spun silly until the entire scalp is shredded from the head, sometimes in one fell swoop, other times in patches. Just think about the seven trillion nerves inside of one human body. Each and every single one would be severed, inducing extraordinary pains of all kinds. This would be complete processing meltdown, total overload. Your brainstem would be flooded with every single negative sensation that has ever existed. It would continue to attempt to do its job right up until the very moment that it too is pureed or until your heart stops. If a person's fed through those blades feet first, that means they have all the way up until their heart is sliced and diced to feel everything. Nobody wants to experience this, trust me. Even if you were fed head first, of course it would be quick and you would feel much less. But imagine staring down the mouth of those grinding blades. Just the terror of that moment alone sends shivers shuffling through every single bone in my body. Have you ever heard of the term degloving? It's basically a term for being skinned. A machine exists that can accomplish just that and so much more quite effortlessly. I'm talking about a lathe machine. Is it just me or does the term lathe remind you of some sort of supernatural creature? This is a machine that shouldn't ever be operated by just anybody. A special certification is typically required for a person to be able to use one of these bad boys. Unfortunately, not all countries operate by the same guidelines. A lathe is used to shape wood and metal. Do you know how sharp something needs to be in order to trim metal? Not only that, but it requires a great deal of power and rotation. That spells serious danger. Human bone is stronger than steel, but it's still not much of a match for one of these machines. These do not rotate anywhere near as fast as blades on a meat grinder, but yet somehow they are still very powerful. An industrial lathe typically operates between 1,000 and 3,000 rotations per minute. You're supposed to place your wood or metal onto the arm of the machine. I mean, it's got a technical term, but I call it the arm. At the end of that arm is a very sharp cutting tool. The object that you're trimming is spun around senseless as you slowly feed it into the cutting tool until you get the desired shape. But there have been quite a few recorded deaths by lathe. Because these long objects are rotating so quickly, one slip can actually suck an entire person into the spinning machine if it's big enough which both crushes them and easily slices off layers of skin and other tissue in the process. The only way that a person can possibly be saved by one of these machines is if it's smaller. Some are too small to fit a full body inside. That means people often lose parts of their arms or entire limbs, but can sometimes walk away from the incident. I think one of the most disturbing lathe freak deaths that I've ever come across was that of Cameron Minchell. Cameron was only 16 years old. I find it utterly absurd that a teenager was allowed to operate one of these deadly contraptions. What the hell were they thinking? Cameron was participating in a government-funded apprenticeship and was placed at Huntley Mount Engineering Limited. 
He had only been employed there for just short of a month when this incident occurred. Knowing how dangerous these damn things are, this sounds like negligence right out of the gate. This company had very little safety precautions, which is so great considering they were operating some of the most dangerous machines in the world. They also really didn't have any structured training programs. It's kind of like one of those places where you're just thrown in, sink or swim. Either you've got it or you don't. Apparently his boss, Zafar, didn't give a flying fuck if this boy lived or died. He didn't want to waste time or resources on anyone. Either they learn for themselves or they don't and possibly die. What is so fucking maddening about all of this was that Cameron was paid three pounds an hour to do this job. This was allowed because it was technically an apprenticeship that was supposed to offer vital training and education. As previously stated, that was not the case. Oh, but it gets worse. Meanwhile, the recruitment agency received £4,500 just for placing him, and the company itself basically got next to free labor. Cameron's mother told press that he was so proud of himself for getting this gig. He was just beaming with excitement any time that he discussed it with others. He couldn't wait to see what kind of career it could lead into in his future. He had no idea that he was about to be robbed of that future from the very company that he so loved to be a part of. Also, Cameron was not the only youngster employed at this place. It was basically overrun with untrained teenagers who had very little, if any, supervision. This company provided a work uniform to Cameron. He was pretty small-framed again. He was only 16. He was given a huge pair of overalls that were way too baggy on him. This is a serious no-no with lathe machines. Proper safety training will tell you to be careful to never wear any loose clothing that can get caught up in the rotation. On that horrible day, Cameron was operating a machine that was spinning at around 2,800 times per minute. He was warned to roll up his sleeves, but they were so baggy that they continued to slip down. One sleeve got caught up in the machine, and in one single blink of his eye, his entire upper body was grabbed up and rolled through it. Within 1.5 seconds of being pulled in, he was dead. Huge chunks of his skin were now void from his body. Pools of blood began running in trails beneath the machine. He obtained catastrophic trauma to his head, neck, and chest. Rib bones were fractured and nearly crushed in areas. His spinal column damn near severed. His skull bone completely crunched. And brain matter squeezed out from his ears like toothpaste from a tube. And it doesn't end there. His lungs were perforated after being punctured repeatedly by multiple splintered rib bones. His aorta crushed, his heart damaged, way beyond repair. The crushing happens from a body being pulled into the rotating piece. Whatever is snagged up is basically forced through a very tight space over and over and over again. More specifically, in Cameron's case, 46 times per second, he never stood a single chance. And just like that, the future that he was so damn excited for was stolen from him by a couple of corrupt, greedy, horrible human beings and a company without a soul. The company was later tried in court. They pled two manslaughter charges. They knew they'd done fucked up. There was no pleading not guilty. They were fined a small amount of money, all things considered, and a couple of higher-ups were jailed for just a few short months. It's bullshit. They should be in prison for life. Don't fuck with lathes unless you go through proper training. Also, take that training as seriously as a heart attack. 
Over 3,000 people suffer freak accidents by lathe per year that we know of. They account for a huge chunk of all workplace accidents and deaths. All right, let's take a leisurely cruise to a candy factory in Russia. On our way, we're going to stop at another candy factory in the same country. If these next deaths aren't a sweet tooth killer, I don't know what the hell would be. Speaking of Russia, at least 190,000 people die on the job each year in that country. Honestly, that number is likely much higher. They aren't exactly known for feeding us accurate statistics, especially ones surrounding deaths. A sweet and funny mother of a 10-year-old boy faced one of these deaths in 2017. It was honestly one of the worst deaths that a person can go through. I know I say that a lot, but honestly, I just pick some of the worst deaths for my podcast episodes. What can I say? You might wonder what the hell could possibly go so wrong in a candy factory. Oh, just wait. 36-year-old Natalia Nemitz was working hard, like always, attempting to clean a commercial caramel mixer. This machine was switched off and supposedly empty. Just like in the meat grinder story, other employees were around, but busy with their own tasks. This factory was a very large place and housed many big industrial machines. At one point in time, a coworker came looking for Natalia to ask her a question, but to their surprise, she was nowhere to be found. They looked in all of the obvious places, the bathroom, the absolutely ridiculously teeny tiny break area outside of the building, when she didn't turn up, it was time to check out the not-so-obvious places. That employee returned to Natalia's post, the caramel mixing machine. When she peeked inside, she caught a glimpse of something that shocked her to her core and singed into her brain for life. The machine was no longer empty. Molten hot liquid caramel had somehow flooded into the mixer. Poking out of the melted sweets was a petite set of legs that was slightly rotating. The woman had no idea what to do. She hit an emergency stop button, but nothing happened. It was obviously not safe for another person to get close to this scorching candy. The mixer was also on, sending long, heavy arms spinning furiously. Emergency was, of course, called. The machine was eventually manually shut off. But by the time help arrived, Natalia was long dead. There was no chance of survival past the four-minute mark, when just being smothered alone would have killed her by asphyxiation. Not a single employee reported hearing any screams or sounds of distress of any kind. This led investigators to ponder if Natalia had perhaps passed out before falling in. After all, conditions in the factory were very hot. It wouldn't be a stretch for a person to overheat and faint. I personally hope that this was the case. However, I have some bad news. The fact that zero screams were heard is hardly evidence that Natalia was unconscious upon falling in. Caramel is a dense, viscousy fluid. Plus, it was between 320 and 350 degrees Fahrenheit, or 160 to 177 degrees Celsius. Let's also not forget about those heavy, rotating metal bars. What could have Natalia possibly done to make any noise? Sure, you can attempt to scream while submerged in even water, but nobody will hear you. In the process, you'll aspirate that water, or in this case, caramel, into your lungs. Additionally, that intense heat would cling to her curves like a skin-tight cat suit. This would immediately inflict serious burns all over her body if she did attempt to scream, 
she'd be tortured with nasty burning to her tongue, esophagus, and lungs. Her joints would contract due to that amount of heat. Her flesh would lose moisture early on. Her muscles would cramp and harden. Plus, you have that heavy metal swinging likely into her head. The only movement that Natalia could have possibly accomplished in those circumstances would be the movement forced by those bars. It's still possible that she overheated from working tirelessly in those hot conditions, but honestly, there's no way to know if that's truly the case. If she didn't, I hope that she was knocked out cold immediately from the heavy metal. Because if she wasn't, that means that Natalia's death was basically a race between boiling alive and asphyxiation. Either could have won that race, but she would have been forced to endure the negative consequences of both. Not only would she feel utter panic because obviously she couldn't breathe, but she'd have searing pain all the way from her outside to her insides. This would come very close to the misery of spontaneously combusting. Actually, I think it would be worse because a liquid fire was assaulting her everywhere. It was seeping into her crevices and hugging every single curve, likely oozed into her ears and nostrils. She was literally entombed with this. Widespread, fourth-degree burns would plague her in under a minute. This would at least damage many of her nerves, which would in turn tone down the fire a tad, likely not enough for her to notice. And we already know that burning is the worst physical experience known to humans. And this death really capitalized off of that in every single way that poor, sweet, woman. Just one year earlier, also in Russia, another woman had an experience that was nearly identical to this one, only instead of caramel, it was molten chocolate. A factory woman allegedly dropped her cell phone into the commercial chocolate mixer, filled with equally hot molten chocolate. In an attempt to retrieve it, she fell in head first. Of course, this is simply a theory as to how she fell in, and going after a cell phone and something that hot seems like a pretty unbelievable reason to me. This chocolate mixer was set up very similarly to the caramel mixer. It had long rotating metal bars that were also on at the time. This time, there was no doubt that this woman was conscious when she fell in. She definitely felt the awful torture initially. Upon autopsy, severe blunt force trauma was found to her head, but there was no way to know exactly how far along it had occurred, again, hopefully early on knocking her out, but congealed chocolate was found in her stomach, throat, and nostrils, which means that she indeed breathed it in. Of course, this woman didn't scream or make any sounds either. Well, we've done it again, loves. We've tackled yet another death exploration, and again, there are still many more heavy machinery deaths to cover in the future. And I also want to remind you that I am always open to requests for my episodes, but we'll meet again this time next week. Until then...